slides it out for Ekblad. Back to Hoffman, blocked by Polak and Price! Another spectacular stop! Broussard tees it up, and a save is made by Bobrovsky. Nelson, Marcel with the open net, and he scores! Hi, and welcome to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. All right, everybody, welcome to the Wednesday edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast. So glad to be with you. Hope everybody is well. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. We've got a lot to discuss on today's show. Draft lottery coming up later this week. Islanders are in it, and we'll talk a little bit about that later on in the show. We have got our Islanders' birthday of the day, and we have got a a little discussion in our Back to the Future segment about the Islanders' future home at Belmont Park Arena. Plus, uh, let's talk a little bit about the ongoing situation right now with the Hockey Hall of Fame. Islanders not probably going to have another former player or executive inducted when the announcement is made later today. But let's talk about some Islanders who maybe deserve consideration and, you know, a little bit about that because it's been a long time since the Islanders have had a player or an executive inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame. So lots to figure out, lots to talk about as the class of 2020 is about to be announced. But first, let's talk a little bit more about the playoffs, and they are coming up soon. We announced a week ago or so that the Islanders and the rest of the Eastern Conference teams were heading most likely to Vegas to play their playoff games. We're still waiting on that announcement to be made official, and the NHL also trying to figure out uh, who the other hub city is going to be. Pittsburgh no longer out uh, in the mix. They are out. The Twin Cities, Minneapolis, St. Paul out. Dallas no longer in either. So it's Vegas, LA, Chicago, Vancouver, Edmonton, and Toronto. So we'll see what happens uh, with that. And again, you know, unofficially Vegas has been named one hub And the odds are that they are looking at Canada as the second hub, one of the Canadian cities. And the city of Toronto, for example, just announced that they were going to put together a 40-acre campus-like bubble that would give the players access to a number of different facilities, the home of the AHL Marlies, obviously the field where Toronto FC plays, as well as, of course, the Maple Leafs home. And we would figure out, uh, you know, exactly how that would work. That's unofficial. Whether or not they will get the consideration remains to be seen. So, uh, 
we'll keep an eye on that. But and and as soon as anything becomes official, we will let you know. Now the other thing is, of course, the Hockey Hall of Fame, and it's been a long time since an Islander player or coach has been inducted. It you have to go back to 2003 when Pat LaFontaine went in to the Hockey Hall of Fame. And, you know, unfortunately, Pat LaFontaine's relationship with the Islanders still not where we would like it to be. And one of the things I'm hoping that the current ownership can do is to mend fences with Pat LaFontaine and have him more involved in the team. You look at the present team, uh, Matthew Barzal has the potential perhaps, but we're still a ways away. And then, of course, there is the question of John Tavares. And I'll say this. I don't think right now that John Tavares is worthy of induction in the Hockey Hall of Fame. I think he's a very good player. I think he has, uh, you know, been one of the better players in the league as far as, you know, he's an all-star type of player. But he has never won a Stanley Cup, never been in a Stanley Cup final. Uh, You know, what has he won? One playoff round with the Islanders and maybe one with the Maple Leafs, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, Has never been... I, I don't think when you look back at John Tavares' career, if you were to say, was John Tavares ever one of the best 10 players in the NHL? Or, you know, how many postseason all-star birth recognition, first or second team, does he have? It's not there. And he has always been sort of, to me, near the top of that second tier of player. And... Look, obviously, his exit from Long Island slash Brooklyn was not the cleanest, was not the best. And, you know, to me, if he gets into the Hall of Fame, it's going to be largely on what he does in Toronto. And if he's one of the leaders of a Maple Leafs team that wins the Stanley Cup, the way the media in Canada treats, you know, Canadian stars... I think he's got a shot. But right now, I think, you know, he has a great reputation based on what he did in juniors. He certainly has, uh, you know, a lot of uh, name recognition. But I don't think he's one of those top-of-the-track elite players that deserves Hall of Fame induction. Any others? I mean, Doug Waite came close. Wade is in the United States Hockey Hall of Fame, has over a thousand points in his career, did win a Stanley Cup with Carolina, but I, I, again, to me, Wade is a second-tier kind of a guy, and a great player, great person, always enjoyed interviewing Doug Wade, talking to Doug Wade over the years, but I, I, I don't know if he's really a Hall of Fame caliber player. And after that, I don't think that there are too many other Islanders players who are 
eligible. Barry Trotz very well may eventually get in. He has certainly done great things in Nashville without a lot of talent. Won his Stanley Cup in Washington with a lot of talent. Uh, Has a couple of Jack Adams awards as the uh, coach of the year. And, you know, to me, he's now the fourth winningest coach in NHL history. I think he would be a legitimate Hall of Fame candidate. But, right now, unless he does win another cup with the Islanders or at least make a long playoff run with the Islanders, he would get into the Hall of Fame mostly for what he did elsewhere. So, we'll see. We'll take a look. But right now, no Islanders expected in this class of 2020. And if you want your car to last well beyond 2020, look no further than rockauto.com. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and for do-it-yourselfers, but rockauto.com's prices are the same for everybody, and they're reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices possible rather than charging prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require membership or account login. It's a family business serving auto parts customers for over 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They've got everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even a new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or your daily driver, get everything you need in a few clicks, and it's delivered directly to your door, which is a great benefit during this difficult time. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck right locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Box? So they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. All right, time for our Islanders' birthday of the day, and uh, it's a good one. I, I have to say, today, June 24th, is the 55th birthday of Uwe Krupp, the Islanders' six foot six inch 235-pound defenseman, a native of Cologne, Germany, came up with the Buffalo Sabres, who drafted him in the 11th round back in 1983, joined the Islanders early in the 1991-92 season, and stayed with the team for three years. And I'll tell you, Krupp was big, he was strong, and he could shoot the puck. He had some offensive skill uh, out there, 92-93, which was a great season for the Islanders, uh, making that long playoff run to the conference finals. That was his best season on Long Island, 80 games played, 9 goals, 38 points, and 67 penalty minutes that year. And looking back, let's take a look at what was by far the best offensive game in the career of Uwe Krupp while he was with the New York Islanders. We're going back to March 20th, 1993 at the Pacific Coliseum in Vancouver. Islanders and the Canucks, Mark Fitzpatrick in goal for the Islanders. Kay Whitmore was the Vancouver netminder in this one. Islanders getting on the board first. Tom Fitzgerald getting his eighth of the season from Krupp and Brian Mullen at 423, 
and it was one to nothing Islanders. Then Peter Nedved off for hooking at 8:35, and the Islanders' power play cashes in. Steve Thomas, his 29th, just six seconds into the uh, to the man advantage. Krupp and Jeff Norton, the two defensemen, with the assists on that one. Islanders two and Vancouver nothing. The Islanders get another power play chance when Tim Hunter is called for slashing at 12:29, and Krupp cashes in his eighth goal of the season. Jeff Norton and Derek King with the helpers at 12:56. Islanders up by three. A power play goal by Tom Fergus. At 16:31, gets Vancouver on the board. Yerke Lume and Trevor Linden, a future Islander, with the assist. After 20 minutes, Islanders 3, Canucks 1. Islanders keep on rolling. Steve Thomas gets his second of the game. Assist to who? Uwe Krupp. Time of the goal, 109. Then another power play with Gino Ojic, another future Islander, in the penalty box for roughing. Pierre Turgeon cashes in his 46th of the season. Assist to Uwe Krupp. Time of the goal, 5.58. Islanders had a 5-1 lead. Vancouver got a shorthanded goal from Peter Nedved at 13.37. Jim Sandlack and Adrian Plavsic with the assists. And the Islanders had a 5-2 lead after two. And in the third, goals by Ray Ferraro at 3.06 from Pat Flatley and David Volok. And then a last-minute goal by Brian Mullen, his 15th, from Scott Lachance at 19.41. And the Islanders skate off with a 7-2 win over the Vancouver Canucks. 28 saves for Mark Fitzpatrick to earn the victory. For Uwe Krupp, our birthday boy, one goal. Four assists. The goal was the game winner. A five-point night for Uwe Krupp in this one. A couple of other Islanders had two points. Steve Thomas with two goals. Jeff Norton, two assists. Brian Mullen, one goal, one assist in this one. As far as plus-minuses go, Tom Fitzgerald, Uwe Krupp, Brian Mullen, and Jeff Norton each a plus-two. And shots on goal, Steve Thomas, his two goals coming on five shots. Ray Ferraro not far behind with four. And the Islanders skate away with a 7-2 win over the Vancouver Canucks. The best game in his Islanders career for the big man, Uwe Krupp. Uh, a good part, you know, he was he came over in the Pat LaFontaine trade and really was an important part of the Islanders' puzzle while he was here. And I always liked his versatility. He was strong in his own end, but could also move the puck well, skated well for a big guy, and, you know, wasn't, even though he was big and could be physical, had that long reach, Uwe Krupp was not the kind of player who was going to pick up, you know, 180 penalty minutes in a season. He was technically sound, he was strong, he had the long reach, and a good shot. And, you know, overall did a very good job. After leaving the Islanders, uh, headed to Quebec, and then when they moved to Colorado, finished up with a brief stint in Detroit and an even briefer stint with the Atlanta Thrashers. 729 career NHL games for Krupp, 69 goals, 281 points, and 660 and 60 penalty minutes. Krupp did indeed 
win one Stanley Cup during his NHL career and was an important part of that 1993 Islanders playoff run. So, uh, nice history there and happy 55th birthday to Uwe Krupp. All right, if, if you want to have the best tasting protein bar out there, try a Built Bar. It's the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar. They come in 16 amazing flavors, eight of them chocolate with nuts, eight of them nut-free, and again, all of them covered in 100% chocolate. Built Bars are soft, they're easy to chew, and you can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Built Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, and high fiber. One of my favorite flavors is the peanut butter brownie. 20 grams of protein, just 170 calories, 3 grams of sugar, and 3 grams of net carbs. Right now, we have a special offer for our Locked On Islanders listeners. Just go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code Locked On for $10 off your first order. That's the promo code Locked On for $10 off at BuiltBar.com. Okay, time for our Back to the Future segment. And as always with this segment, we are looking at where the Islanders will be in a couple of years, two years, five years, ten years down the line. And, you know, it's always good to to think about these things and sort of speculate. Educated guesses, of course. Uh, Before we get to that, a couple more games on MSG+. Plus. This week for Islander fans to enjoy Thursday night uh, at 8.30, a game from 2014 against the Vancouver Canucks. That's March 10th, 2014. And then Friday night at 8.30, breakout brass bonanza as the Islanders and the Whalers face off a game from February 4th, 1989. So nice to see them going through the different decades. Tuesday night. Uh, last night, a game from 1991 against the Devils. Always, you know, nice to see the different eras of Islanders history represented. But as far as the Belmont Park Arena, first of all, look, the location is really good. And I, for one, am looking forward to seeing what it ends up looking like. It The, the drawings that they released, and you could see them, at the Islanders' official website really do look stunning. And look, it's centrally located. You can access it off the Cross Island Parkway. They'll have the LIRR station. You can get there fairly easily from Penn Station or Grand Central or Atlantic Terminal. You've got, you know, you could take your car or the Long Island Railroad from Long Island and it really does work very well, but obviously they have to complete that, uh, you know, the the LIRR station there. You're talking about a 20-minute car ride with no traffic from Syosset or Farmingdale, and that's always a good thing. Now, obviously, if there's a 7 o'clock game, there's going to be some rush hour traffic during the week, but... Hey, that was true for Uniondale as well. You have to fight the traffic a little bit. But realistically, uh, a beautiful-looking arena and more than 17,000 seats. Here's the thing. Uh, you know, the the renderings that they released, 
talked about, you know, how many bathrooms and bars and, and, and all the different things that you can see from looking 17,000 fans, four different bars. You can look, uh, you know, outdoors before and after the game. There are places for you to watch and to look and to uh, explore. And it really, it should be beautiful. And they brag about how many bathrooms, more bathrooms than any other arena in the New York area. You've got, hopefully, like the Nassau Coliseum, you know, to me, this arena should combine the best of the Coliseum and the Barclays Center. For the Coliseum, more convenient to get to. Great sight lines is what they're promising, like the Coliseum, and a lot of noise, which creates a great atmosphere for your home games. Like the Barclays Center, you're going to have your state-of-the-art facility. You're going to have you know, the concourses that are wide and the additional bathrooms and the better food choices and more room to operate in. So hopefully it's the best of both worlds and and the ice quality obviously will be better than the ice has been at uh, the Barclays Center. And that is all good news for Islander fans. But the other thing is this. Quite honestly, since the late 90s, Islander fans have been worrying and wondering about where their team is going to play. The Nassau Coliseum was, you know, we had that episode where the roof leaked and the scoreboard fell and all kinds of problems with the Nassau Coliseum. Plus, it was obviously antiquated long before the Islanders ended up leaving in 2015 there was a question of the lighthouse and trying to renovate the Coliseum and replace the Coliseum and, you know, build all kinds of hotels and malls and restaurants and concourses out there. All of those things left the Islanders' future up in the air. Then you go to Brooklyn and there's problems getting there because of the traffic and the transfer at Jamaica and there's problems with the quality of the ice and the you know the, there are those issues now they're back at the coliseum the coliseum is closed down because of the pandemic and they want you know more investors to come on board so will the islanders play there next season if there is a next season with fans so many arena questions have been lingering and hanging over this franchise for let's say 20 plus years and Having the Belmont Park Arena built is going to put all of that to rest. And let's face it, the Nassau Coliseum and the fact that the Islanders were considered a smaller budget team playing in an antiquated building did not help this team attract free agents over the years. There were players who, quite honestly, did not want to come here. And look, Ryan Smith, for example... They traded for him. They offered him more money. He ended up going to Colorado for less money because he really didn't want to play on Long Island at that point back in 2007. So, finally, after all these years, you don't have to worry about meet me at the lighthouse. You don't have to worry about the old barn falling apart or the old barn being rebuilt and not being big enough and not having enough luxury suites. 
You don't have to worry about getting to Brooklyn, and you don't have to worry about the quality of the ice. This team is going to have a first-class facility. They are going to be the primary tenant of that facility, and when push comes to shove, it is really going to be a new era for the New York Islanders. The Nassau Coliseum has its history. The greatest moments in Islanders history took place there. The greatest teams so far in the history of this franchise all played there. The Barkley Center served its purpose. You had, you know, the team was able to stay in the New York metropolitan area as a result of the Barkley Center, and it gave an opportunity for fans in Queens and Brooklyn and Manhattan to access the Islanders more easily. But now I think we have a place that we can call our own for 20, 25, 30 years and have the Islanders compete with the top echelon of NHL teams when it comes to arenas and facilities and fan experience. So to me, Belmont Park Arena, a very important part of the Islanders' future. And when we talk, you know, back to the future week, had to talk about Belmont Park Arena and what it's going to mean for this franchise. All right, that wraps up this edition of Locked On Islanders. Now, tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of Locked On NHL. That'll give you a more league-wide perspective on the game of hockey. Don't forget, if you have something that's on your mind, you can contact us by email, LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. You could follow the show on Twitter at LockedOnIsles. You could follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter at IceWarsNYRVSNYI. Have a great day, everybody. Stay safe. Remember, we are one day closer to the resumption of hockey. And of course, let's go Islanders.